All right, Luke 3, 21 and 22 is Jesus' baptism. And it's in three of the Gospels, but I just want to read you one of the descriptions of it from Luke. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. You are my beloved Son. In in you I am well pleased. And then three years later, on the Mount of Transfiguration from the book of Matthew chapter 17, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them, speaking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you give us your Holy Spirit this morning in this room to open your word to us, to reveal yourself to us, Lord. Lord Jesus, I ask that you reveal the Father to us. So, contrary to everything that the world says on the subject, it is impossible for you to know who you are. You cannot define you. You cannot create yourself. You cannot express yourself. The world says, you be you, you cannot be you. Someone else has to tell you who you are. It's actually the people that we care about who get to define us. It's the relationships that we are in that define who we are. We're not autonomous, as the world likes to use that word. The relationships that we're in define us. You are not a grandma until there is somebody who calls you grandma. In that relationship, you become grandma. You are not daddy until there is someone who calls you daddy. The people you're in relationship with get to define who you are. And they tell you who you are. You don't get to decide that yourself. You're not an auntie until somebody calls you auntie. You're not a husband unless there's someone who calls you husband. You're not a wife unless someone calls you wife. Mama, grandpa, sister, son, daughter, all of that. Friend, you can't say I'm a friend. You have have somebody who calls you their friend. Other people define who we are. Even amongst the celebrities, we have the A-listers and the B-listers, right? There's a certain level of Hollywood celebrity that that you get, and the A-listers don't let the B-listers in their club unless enough people follow that person, then they'll let them be in the A-lister club. So, The people in the B-list cannot say, I want to be on the A-list. 
unless the A-listers say they can be on the A-list, and they only say that if other people say they should be on the A-list. Come on, nobody gets to say, this is who I am, this is what I want, this is how I get to define myself. We're defined by other people all the time, and rightfully so. So if you want to be a club member in a fraternity or a sorority or any sort of club, you can't, be, you can't just say, I'm a member of that group, unless the group says you're a member of that group. We, we're not allowed to identify ourselves. What if, what if somebody just decided, I am a police officer? There are really, really bad guys that do that. You know, get a light and a badge and pull people over and really wicked things happen. It's very rare, but it happens. You cannot just say, I'm a police officer, unless somebody with authority says you are a police officer. They have to label you. What if somebody just decided they're a judge? Well, I want to be a judge. I feel like a judge, so I am a judge. Nobody, you can't be a judge. You have to have authority tell you you're a judge and put you in that identity, in that position. Here's, here's a fun one. What about the people who claim to be a prophet? We had a guy come around the church for the last, oh, six or eight weeks, who told me that he was a God-ordained prophet, and he wanted to barge in on our pastor's prayer on Wednesday morning and tell us how we should be doing our job. And I said, you are not allowed, and he hasn't shown back up since. But he told me he didn't need any man's approval, that he had God's. Well, no, actually, the Bible says that we get to judge the word to know whether it's true or not. We decide whether you're a prophet. You don't tell us you're a prophet. Hello? There's people out there who call themselves a pastor, but nobody else is following them. There's nobody calling them pastor, so they're not a pastor. Hello? We do not get to choose our identity. We do not get to say who we are. We don't get to express ourselves. Other people tell us who we are. Our identity comes from the people we care about. No person may sensibly define themselves in these ways. There has to be a relationship with another person that calls us that, that defines us in that way. So our identity is not our own. It belongs to the people who tell us what we are. So the world says to people, you define yourselves. God says, I created you male and female. I say who you are. And you cannot argue or change what God has made just because of a feeling. God told Adam who he was. He didn't let Adam decide who he was. And then when God made Eve, Adam named Eve and told her who she was. She did not get to tell Adam who she wanted to be. Hello? God defined Adam and Adam defined Eve. It is the parent who names the child, not the child identifying themselves. Parents, God says you Train up your child in the way they should go. Your daughter is absolutely incapable of knowing who she is without you telling her who she is. Your son has no identity apart from you. Your children have no inborn compass that tells them who they are or how to behave, except toward sin. Come on. You don't have to teach your kids how to sin. They will hide and cheat and lie and... 
hit each other and throw fits all on their own with no training. (laughs) So God's command to you, parent, is that you train your child. And that includes morality and God's word, but also how to be the boy or girl that he made them to be. And also you're telling them as as you raise them in your family, you're telling them this is who we are. This is our family. This is how we do what we do. I don't mean moral issues. We're not free to choose those. But this is how we do mealtime. This is how we do chores. This is how we do family vacation. This is what we do for Christmas. This is who you are. You're the product of your grandparents and your mom and dad, and you are the one flesh that we became, and you are us. The first-time parents around here, and there are a lot of them, uh, and we've got uh, six more on the way, uh, are not telling their kids, well, this is what you have to do because this is how Mitch and Sarah did it. No, you're not part of our family. You can pick and choose from all the parents that you see and admire and, okay, they did this right and we like this and we don't like that we don't like that, but you raise them as you. And that defines them. You gave them a name. They didn't pick their own name. You gave them an identity. And that's God's way. And they pick up a heritage and a family and a definition. Notice that I originally said that we're defined or identified by the people we care about. The people we love tell us who we are, for good and bad. We are validated or not by those we care about. If somebody I don't care about at all tells me I'm a loser, that doesn't define me. But if somebody I really care about tells me I'm an idiot, uh, that will label me in my own heart. The people we care about is the way I'm saying it. Define who we are. Some anonymous moron on the internet that wants to cuss me out in the comments section does not identify me in any way. But if somebody I really care about says, I'm a failure, that's going to label me. Or if they don't say anything at all, that identifies me. The people I care about that don't validate me, that don't identify me, that don't tell me who I am or that I'm doing a good job, that not only hurts, I'm literally missing something I'm supposed to have from dad or mom or someone. That's why so many people don't know who they are or why they exist, what is my purpose what is my calling? Why, do, why am I alive? Because dad didn't tell them. The world says, you decide. You be you. You follow your own dreams. No, that's completely wrong. We need mom and dad to tell us who we are and why we're here and why we exist and what we're supposed to be doing. But many, many people, even in this room, did not have that or didn't have it well. So many lost people, adults and kids, trying to validate themselves and nothing ever fulfills. 
because we cannot be self-fulfilled or self-identified. It's literally impossible in every scientific, psychological, spiritual way. It is impossible for us to define ourselves or identify ourselves or fulfill ourselves. We have to have someone else tell us who we are. Even Jesus needed someone else to tell him who he was. And his dad did it. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God tells him who he is. You're mine. You're beloved. You are the object of my love. And I, I validate you. I am very pleased with you and how you are doing. And Jesus needed it more than once. I'm sure there were other private moments, but we have two of them where God says this. God tells Jesus what his identity is, and he validates him. Gabriel had told Mary when she's going to get pregnant with Jesus, Gabriel tells her, He will be called the Son of the Most High, but Jesus never took the title Son of God until God told him, you are my beloved Son. Jesus did not identify himself as the Son of God. The Father identified him as that. Jesus never called himself the Christ or the Messiah. Never. He asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Come on. He did not choose that identity for himself. He waited till someone he was in relationship with called him that. And then he said, yes, that's true. Even Jesus did not identify himself. He waited on his disciples to identify who he was. God himself has this super strange switch between the Old Testament and the New Testament where it was it's so dramatic, his identity and how he behaves and how he talks from the God of the Old Testament to Jesus' Father in the Gospels that lots of Christians can't might wrap their mind around that, that that's the same God. God never called himself a father in the Old Testament. Why? Because there wasn't anyone to call him father. He didn't have a kid. He waited until he had a son who called him father to receive that identity. God never identified himself as father until someone else called him father. Jesus at 12 years old in the temple. I have to be about my father's business. All of a sudden, God's dad. He never called himself that before that. There's there's hints at it in the Old Testament. But it's the children of Israel, not the children of God in the Old Testament. Now it's children of God. God doesn't call himself father in the Old Testament because he didn't have a kid. Someone has to call him father. He can't take that identity for himself. And then in Luke 10, verse 22, Jesus says this. It's Jesus speaking. No one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. No one knows God as Father except Jesus. Because no one else can call him Father. That name, that identity of God belongs to Jesus. 
And then Jesus says, I'll let you in on it. Come on. You ought to be a lot happier about that than that. Jesus says, I'll let you in on it. I'll introduce you to him and him to you so that you can know him and call him father also. Lots of people in the world claim to know God, but they just know him as God. And everyone in the world will know him at some point as judge and king and creator, but then they will be banished to hell for eternity. But only some people will know him as father. That identity belongs to his children. There are only four people in the world that know me as dad. Sarah, my wife, does not know me as dad. She's been present for the entire time that I've been dad. And she knows how I father and what I do and how much I love the kids. And she has had great influence on how I am a dad. But she has never been fathered by me. Only these four. My point is not that anything is wrong, it's just impossible. Many people know about God and they know the truth about God. The demons know the truth about God. We must be fathered by him to be able to call him father so that he can call us child, daughter, or son. Only a son or a daughter can know a father. There are individual moments and memories and experiences that I have with each one of my kids that make our relationship. And there's group moments and individual moments. Aaron and I on a dinner date talking across the table and nobody else shares those moments. Will wrote me a letter from college on my birthday and wrote about a night we had in the cabin on the mountain when we were elk hunting years ago. And he said it was one of the most important and best memories of his life. And I remember the day, but I don't remember the discussion. But he says we laid awake in our bunks in the dark talking for a long time. And it defined who he is. Nobody else knows. Sarah doesn't know. The girls don't know. That moment belongs to me and him forever. I remember a little bit about it. I'm sorry I forgot it. If it was that big of a deal to him, I, I know what we were talking about, but I don't remember the specifics. But we've spent so many nights in the cabin that I, you know, they kind of tend to run together. But um, that's an exclusive moment that defines our relationship that nobody else can have. And Jesus says, no one knows the Father but me. They have private, intimate relationship that you and I don't have because of sin. But then he says, I'll, I'll let you in on that. And you can know him exactly like I know him. You can have the same status with him that I do. A full son. A full daughter with no rejection, no separation, private, intimate memories. You and God. Moments that are His and yours alone. Jesus says, in me, through me, you can call Him Father. Then He'll call you daughter and call you son. 
which is the identity you've always needed. If you don't know who you are, why you're here, what is my purpose, what is my call, it starts with you calling God Abba, which is literally Daddy, Papa. Even in English, Father is rather stiff and formal. Dad, Daddy is very familiar. And in the Bible, it's the, there's the Father, and then Jesus calls him Abba, Papa, Daddy. You can have that level of closeness with God, that He is not just some stiff and formal Father in outer space, but He is Daddy to your heart. The identity that you need will come out of that. As you tell Him who He is to you, He will tell you who you are to Him. Let me say that again. As you tell Him who He is to you, He will tell you who you are to Him. As you tell Him who He is to you, He will tell you who you are to Him. You will never, ever figure out your identity, your calling on your own. Stop trying. Just make God your dad. And it'll happen. He will tell you. I can't tell you. I hate it when preachers do that. They just make some blanket statement. God is pleased with you. I don't know. He may have something very serious he needs to address. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but I don't know what he would say to you right up front. When Jesus writes his letters to the churches in Revelation, there are seven churches. Two of them, he only says what they're doing right. One of them, he doesn't say they're doing anything right. He only tells them what they're doing wrong. The other four, he says, you're doing this right and you need to fix this. And he isn't angry or wrathful about any of it. It's just, this is the way it is. Two of them, it's, I am very pleased. You're doing great. Keep it up. One of them is, you're not doing anything right. You need to fix this and this and this. And the other four are, you are doing great with this. Thank you very much. And here's the things I need you to fix. It will be something like that in your own heart. It's loving, it's kind, it's matter-of-fact, but it's truthful. It isn't some meaningless affirmation that, oh, I love you and I pat you on the head no matter what you're doing. Hello? You, you want a God who will be honest with you. You want a God who will be tough on you. You want a Father who will say, this will please me, do that. And you can know he's pleasable. But you begin by telling him who he is. Make that relationship. You label him, he will identify you, child of God. And you share the same identity as Jesus. Anybody want that? All right. If you want that, on the authority of this verse right here, no one knows the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son reveals Him. We're going to ask Jesus to show us the Father. If that is a prayer you would like to pray, Jesus, show me who the Father is. Let me in on your relationship.
Why don't you stand up and we're going to pray this together. If you would let me lead you in prayer, you could just repeat after me. We don't do a whole lot of this around here, but we're going to do it this morning. Based on that scripture right there, this is our prayer. Jesus, please show me the Father. I need to know who he is so that I can know who I am. I need love. I need validation. I need a heavenly father. I need instruction, direction, correction, approval. Jesus, please show me the father so that I can call him father. Father God, I need to know who you are. Father, please tell me who I am. Please forgive me. Please love me. Please adopt me into your family. I want to be your child. Please teach me how to be well-pleasing to you. From Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand at the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things of the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you he has made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Lord, we make that our prayer this morning. I make that my prayer, Lord, for everyone here, that you would give the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that you would show us the Father, Lord Jesus. Father, that you would father our hearts. We know that you have and we know that you do And we ask for more wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you. That we would know even more who you are. That we would hear your voice saying who we are. That we are your beloved children. 
Thank you for your love. Thank you for your steady, dependable, trustworthy love that you will never sin, you will never wrong us, you will never leave us or abandon us. You are not a God who is silent, but you speak affirmation and validation to us. You created us for a reason. You have good works prepared for us to do. You have a purpose, an identity, a calling for us. And we say yes to your word and your promises and your commands. Because in that is our purpose and our calling and our identity. Thank you that you have not left us alone, fatherless and rejected, not knowing who we are and why we're here. We're not lost, stumbling about in the darkness, but we have seen your light. We believe your word. We followed your commands, and you have given us purpose and identity and truth. Lord, I ask that you speak to every individual heart, life and truth, hope, purpose, validation, communion. Call us your beloved son and your beloved daughter in Christ. Amen.